Good morning again, Northview Church. Some of y'all are still awake. That's a good, good way to start the day. Uh, who has invested your $10 for your $10 challenge? You all have got some work to do. You got two weeks to invest your $10 and see how the Lord will use that for the kingdom. So, get to work, Jesse. You invested yours yet? Megan's in charge. We understand how that goes. We are on our third week of our Heart for the House initiative, and we are talking about what the next phase of Northview Church is going to look like, and, and just kind of dreaming together of what that next phase is going to look like, because Northview Church and Heart for the House, it is so much more than a building that we meet in on Sunday mornings. This initiative is not just about having a space that we can call our own and expand and have more space. This initiative is about a movement of people who have come together with one mission, a movement of God's people looking. Our desire is to change the Kodak community the only way that it can possibly be changed, through the gospel. That is the whole reason for heart for the house. And as we've gone through this, you know, we've talked a lot about giving. And if you're a guest with us today, you're like, oh no, why am I here on that Sunday? And if you're a a regular here, you're like, again, we're going to talk about this again? Yeah, a little bit. But really, this is the message, the Sunday that I have most anticipated for Heart for the House. Because today, we get to dream together. Today, we get to think about what the possibilities are when a group of people like this come together around one ultimate common goal. Of course, our mission is to love God, love people, and make disciples. We keep it pretty simple. But when we see a group of people come together around that one common goal, today we're going to dream about what that could look like. I've shared with you a passage from Acts chapter 2 that is one of my favorite passages in in Scripture. I love how it describes the church. I'm just going to share it with you again this morning as we begin speaking about what this vision is. In Acts chapter 2, beginning in Verse 42, we hear this. Luke writes this. Speaking of the new church, the young church in the book of Acts, it says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That is what heart for the house is all about. It is not about just a building. It is about a mission that we are on. We read of that new young church in the book of Acts, and we see they came together for one mission, praising God, fellowshipping together, being generous to those who were in need, and thousands were being saved daily. That's what we're all about. That is why we are doing what we do. We spoke a couple of weeks ago about how Northview came about. And if you remember, it began with just a group of 14 people in a life group who gathered together 
and said, hey, let's go do a new work in Kodak. Soon after, more people joined us, and this church was planted in Smokey's Baseball Stadium with 24 people. 24 people grabbing a hold of this vision that soon continued to grow. We now connect with over 100 people every single month regularly with this church. And that's in the middle of going through the tail end of a pandemic. We have been able to see God do something miraculous in this small group of people in a small community that doesn't have millions of people or hundreds of thousands of people just hanging around. It's a small community that God is at work in. So today, we're going to see what the next chapter looks like. I told you two weeks ago, God has written, began to write our story, but that's just the introduction. I believe that as we go through this Heart for the House initiative, God is beginning to write chapter one in the story of Northview Church. And I'm excited about it. Today, we get to dream. Today, we get to cast vision. The whole goal of a vision is to find out where God's working and go join Him there. It's not coming up with our own ideas and saying, hey, I think this would be cool to do. It's where is God at work? What are the needs that God is looking for us to meet in this community? And go join Him in the mission, get to work and meet the needs that nobody else in the community is meeting. Love God, love people, make disciples. So how do we do that? How, how does this mission play out for us? It all starts with a heart for the house. Now, we talk about a heart for the house, and we begin to think a house is a building, right? We are in a structure that, for the most part, is sound, for the most part. It begins with, with that, but the house isn't a building, when we talk about the house of God, it is the church of God. It is you. You are the house. You are God. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit indwells you right now. You are the house of God. We are the house of God. We are the church. It's not about a building. A building's just a part of it. But you know what? A building can't love God. A building cannot love people. A building cannot make disciples. Only people can do that. And only people who are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. When we have a heart for the church, a heart for the house, a heart for the kingdom, seeing people come to faith in Jesus Christ. To have a heart for the house, we must have a vision. We must know where we're going. We must find where God is at work, where God is seeking to use this group of people that he has gathered together at 340 West Dumplin' Valley Road in Kodak, Tennessee. For whatever reason, he gathered us all together. You are here through his divine intervention. There's a reason you are here today. There's a reason you are a part of this church. It is for you to be a part of this mission. Let's join him in the work that he's doing. So... For the next few minutes, let's dream together. Let, let's just dream about what God can do through the Heart for the House initiative. Northview Church leadership has been praying about this for a long time. But it's not just leadership. I know many of you, especially those who've been here since those early days over at Smoky Stadium, this is something we have been praying towards since, since before the beginning. Since before we ever 
went into our first service over there at the stadium. And we believe God is giving us some clear direction on where he wants us to go. Here's where we see God leading us in chapter 1 of Northview Church. It begins with a permanent home. You don't have to have a building in order to accomplish the mission. But we believe that God has put this on our hearts, that we can utilize a building, especially in the culture we live in, in order to accomplish the mission he has placed us to, to do. You can see the old building. Hey, go back to that. Go back, go back. There you go. The old building there on the left. The vision is to kind of remodel this building that we're in right now because, let's be honest, the inside looks nice. Outside, not so much, right? The vision is to remodel that. That'd be phase one, to begin upgrading what we've got and then to add an addition. We'll talk about in just a moment. An addition somewhere on this property. I've got it there, but that doesn't mean it's where it's going to be. We need contractors and surveyors and all those people to tell us where we need to build it. It begins with a, a permanent building, but here's the thing. There's a lot of church buildings in our community. And almost every church building we see is used less than 10% of the time. Churches use their buildings on Sunday mornings, Sunday nights. Staff members may use it during the week for, for office hours or for counseling or prepping or whatever it may be. But primarily for ministry purposes, buildings, church buildings are used less than 10% of the time. We don't want to see that at Northview Church. Our desire is to see a building that is used on a regular, daily basis. We want to to be a benefit to our ministry partners and our community. We want it to be an attractive building. And like I said a minute ago, we're not there yet on the outside. We want it to be an attractive building, but we don't want it to be a lavish building. We we want it to, to be attractive to those who may not be a part of the church, but Our desire isn't to have all the bells and whistles. It's to be a multi-purpose, multi-functional building that we can use for many, many different purposes. So we envision using this current space that we're in right now. Utilizing what we've got and then adding on. Adding a, a worship space somewhere on this property that can be used in conjunction with where we're at right now. Now, that excites us, right? Who's excited about the possibility of seeing a nice, bigger, one that actually heats properly and cools properly? That's going to be a good Sunday, right? Where we don't have to pump fans in while they're in the fridge in the back. That's going to be nice. We envision being able to do that one day, to utilize this space, to have space where we can grow Northview kids. I mean, we've got about... 25 kids typically 20 to 25 in the back somewhere around in there it's pretty full I mean you've for those of you who've been back there you can't fit a whole lot more than that in those rooms and be functional and be comfortable so we want to see space to grow Northview kids and grow our student ministry our student ministry doesn't really have a home they utilize this space on Sunday evenings they don't have a place that they can call their own So we see that as a function of a new space. But we also, more than just using it for those ministries on a Sunday morning, a Sunday evening, or a Wednesday night, that's just a very small slice of the pie. We want to see this new vision used on a regular basis. It is a hub 
to serve the needs of Kodak. You, you saw a video from one of our ministry partners uh, just a few minutes ago from Lisa over at Street, Ho- Street Hope, Tennessee. We have four ministry partners currently that we work with. And we're looking, I want to work with more ministry partners. But those are the four that we have as a church come alongside. It's Street Hope, Tennessee, Isaiah 117 House, Live It in, um, over in Seymour. And the fourth one is what? Oh, yeah, Pregnancy Resource Center. <laughs> We just got the director sitting right there, and I missed that one somehow. Uh, whoops. They use our facility. Uh, Pregnancy Resource Center's not uh, yet, and Livet hasn't used our facility yet, but Street Hope Tennessee has used our facility for training. Uh, they come up here and shoot videos um, just in this space here uh, on a fairly regular basis. Isaiah 117 House uses our space every single month in order for a regional meeting to take place because we're centrally located. So their directors from every county in this region meet here once a month to discuss the needs that they have in, at Isaiah 117 House. We envision that this space can serve our ministry partners even more by offering them places to do ministry and conferences and trainings and meetings and whatever they may need. We would love to, to partner with them on that and offer the space for them to have. You heard Lisa mention in, in that video the vision for a video studio. Well, anybody that knows me knows I'm a video guy. Uh, video was my profession prior to being a pastor. Uh, we've also been blessed as a church with other video professionals, Scott Blair, um, other people who love video production like Nathan Hickman, and other people who've expressed interest in video. We live in a multimedia world, and, and I believe, and I, I believe our, our leadership is somewhat in agreement that discipleship needs to entail some multimedia elements, that we can disciple people through online and other ways that we don't really have the facility to do right now. But not only that, to use our facility for that purpose with our ministry partners giving them a space where they can come and shoot videos that they may need. Uh, We do videos sometimes for our schools. I don't know if you all ever saw it, but we had the principal in Northview Primary School standing right there dressed as an astronaut one day shooting a video. We want to offer that on a more regular basis than we can right now. You know, one of the things that I see is a huge need here in Kodak. We have a lot of homeschooled families here in Kodak. I would love for us to be able to offer our space for a homeschool co-op where they can meet here two or three days a week and just gather together with those families that are doing homeschooling and and do what they need to do in order to get their kids educated. We could even see possibly in the future where we partner with homeschool families and providing curriculum for them because there is some great Christian curriculum out there through places like Liberty University that we may be able to utilize down the road when we have the space. Another big need in our county is the ability for people to go get jobs that pay pretty good. We live in a tourism-driven county, and it doesn't necessarily pay all that well most of the time. But what if we had a space where we could offer job skills training and partner with local companies to train people in trades that they could put them to work. Not that we do the training for them, because, I don't know, I ain't doing that. Um, The people who helped when I was 
on the team to remodel this space could tell you I'm not training anybody on trades. But there are those who could use our space and be able to utilize that. I know of a, a program at Angelic Ministries in Knoxville where they train people who are coming out of addiction or coming out of prison in order for them to get jobs that pay. What if we could partner with them in doing something like that? Some of you all don't realize it, but we have a fledgling ministry at this church of counseling. Now, it's not one that we, we put out there. To be honest, it's someone doing it on volunteer time right now. But what if we could offer some permanent counseling space where we could have that as a part of our ministry and have a counselor who is a part of our staff here? Some of you have taken advantage of that counseling and other people in the community have sought counseling. What if we had a place where we could meet those needs for people? One of my favorite things that I've seen another church do that I would love to see us do. You know, Jess, she's in charge of our, our first impressions team, and she's talked about this need for a nice welcome area out front. Yeah, I mean, we've got about three and a half feet out there for people to gather. But what if it wasn't just a welcome space? But what if we had an area that could be utilized through the week as a cafe or a coffee shop? Now, hold on. I'm not talking about making a business. What if we used it to hire special needs people, to let them work in this coffee shop, not for profit, but to give them some dignity and a place where they can work and a place that would serve our community? Because we all like coffee, and if you don't, you, know, you need Jesus, because coffee's amazing. A space that our community can utilize. To, to really serve Kodak. Not a place where we, we kind of keep the doors closed because we don't want scuffs on the walls. A place that we can really use for, for Kodak. A hub to serve Kodak. We also need a space that's a hub for missions. When we planted Northview Church, our vision was to not be the last church we planted. Our goal is to be a church that plants churches we need a space to train church planters to train future pastors people who maybe they can't afford or they're not called to go to a seminary but they can train in a space that we provide for them and then send them out to plant new churches if you've been around northview church for very long you know that many of us in this church are passionate about foster training and foster care for those of us who went in Sevier County through foster training, they don't offer it in Sevier County. We have to drive to other counties in order to, to not only do our initial training, but to do our ongoing training. Occasionally, you can find there was a church in Seymour that did some training, but that's pretty much it. What if we made our space available to DCS to do initial foster training, ongoing foster training? Because in any given day, Today, there are over 150 kids just in Sevier County who are in the foster care system. What if we met that need? And not only training, but what if we provided ways to, to support foster parents? It's a hard journey that a foster parent goes on. What if we had a space for maybe like a, a clothes closet because you never know what age child you're getting 
I know when we got our first foster child, I ran to Walmart that night because we got a five-year-old. We had nothing. What if we had a space that met a huge need that we saw in foster training or foster, foster parenting? When you go do visitation with a parent, a birth parent, there's nowhere to go. What if we could provide a safe, secure space for foster parents to meet up with birth parents and utilize our playground and utilize indoor space in order to have those times of visitation that they have? We envision this being a home base or a staging ground to send out mission teams. We are, Craig and I have been discussing, and Craig is our elder over missions, looking at what that mission opportunity may be because we don't want to just be an inward-focused church. So what if we had a space where we could stage what a mission team would look at, but not only that, hosting mission teams that come to this area, providing a space where they can throw their sleeping bags on the floor, we could have showers in the building where they could shower, and we're not going to have bedrooms and bunkhouses because this isn't going to be that big of a building. But why couldn't we use our multi-purpose space in order to offer teams that are coming into this area uh, a place to stay? It's a God-sized vision. I'm not saying that everything we've listed will happen. We believe we are on a mission that God has given us to Love God, love people, make disciples. And these are elements of that vision that we see that can be in place. Some of those will happen. Some of them may change how God places that vision in our hearts. Some of them may happen and then change down the road. We are not locked into a method of completing the mission. We're locked into a mission. And it's a God-sized vision. And to accomplish the vision, it will require your generosity. Your generosity of your finances. Your generosity of your time. Your generosity with your talent. We have some goals. Some of you have picked up the sheet that we've had out for a couple of weeks. Some milestones that we are seeking to meet as we go down this road. The initial goal that we have as a church is to purchase this existing facility. We have not come to terms on buying this facility with the owner yet. God may put us in another location, but that is our goal right now, is to purchase the existing facility that we're at at a projected cost of $750,000. Now, many of us sit back, as we did when we first heard that, and like, really? This place? $750,000? Well, we can tell you as we've looked around this community, yeah, this is a very expensive community to buy properties the second goal is to build a new worship facility on this property that we showed you a, an artist rendering of a minute ago at a, an additional cost of $500,000. So to reach these goals, these are God-sized goals. We are not a large, a large congregation. It is a God-sized goal that we as a congregation will have to sacrifice to meet and we'll have to bring in others to help us get there. So there's some milestones to get there. We cannot do anything until we raise $200,000. That is the first goal. That, that is just to be able to get a mortgage on this building. Our goal is to do it debt-free. But we'll do it however the Lord leads. And if we have to go into a short-term mortgage and able to do it, we'll do it. 
So our first milestone is to raise $200,000 as a church in order to be able to buy the property that we're in right now. And then we are projecting that our second goal will be an additional $125,000 in order to finance the building of a new facility. The ultimate goal is $1.25 million to become totally debt-free. And we would like, our, our dream is to see God have us debt-free within 10 years of stepping out on this mission. So the ultimate guideline is to be, have this building, build a new facility, and be debt-free by 2034. It is a God-sized vision. It will require all of us to be on board. And as we think about the generosity and the sacrifice it's going to take, many of us will look and say, well, that is absurd. That is a lot of money for a small group of people. We don't want a small goal, do we? If we got a small goal, we got a small God. We want a God-sized goal to see what He can do because this goal will require God to fill the need for us. And we can look at generosity and say, well, that's absurd. And, and that's what I want to close with talking about today is the absurdity of generosity. Because when we think about generosity, it makes us nervous. When we think about the idea of giving my time, well, that's, I only have limited amounts of time, right? To give my talents, well, I don't know if I want to use my talents doing that. But when we, that makes us uncomfortable, but when we talk about generosity financially, it not only makes us uncomfortable, it makes us nervous. We don't want to be a part of it, but it shouldn't. Because if you think about the absurdity of it, and absurdity being that it is a senseless thing, what are we doing here? It is absurd because... God is doing a new thing in us. God is doing a new thing in Kodak, and he's using you as his instrument. If you think about generosity, that's the absurdity of it, because God doesn't need us. But he uses you to be a part of his mission. That's absurd when you think about it. That's senseless when you think about it, because God, if he wanted to, he'd drop the money on us right now. We'd have a building started tomorrow. I don't know if it really works that way. Does it work that way? You have a contractor right here tomorrow? Probably need an architect first, right? I don't know. But the way supply chain is right now, it'd be a year. But anyway, it is absurd because he lets us be a part of it. So let's look at a, a passage of Scripture this morning that as we look at it, it's probably a passage that you're familiar with, but we're going to look from a different twist that I had never approached this passage before, and maybe you haven't either. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 21 to close out this morning. And this is a passage known as the triumphal entry. It's Palm Sunday as we know it. It's a passage you've probably heard every year that you've been in church around Easter. And here's what Matthew wrote. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you. 
humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. We think of the absurdity of generosity. What in the world does generosity have to do with Jesus riding into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday on the back of a donkey? It's got everything to do with generosity. The absurdity of generosity, the senselessness in our understanding of generosity. But when we see God's plan play out, we see how profound his plan is. You you see in this passage the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator, our savior, riding on the back of a donkey into Jerusalem. It's a donkey that he could have just said, hey, donkey, and it appeared. I mean, literally, you read the, the creation account, that's how creation happens. Donkey, there's donkey. He could have done that. Jesus could have easily, as, as God said, donkey, and there be a donkey. He could have easily created it, but God has a profound plan for His people, for the generosity of His people. There is a reason God asks us to be sacrificial and generous, and we see it play out in this story. Because God, the first thing we see, God comes to us to borrow what God has already created and is already His. Think about how absurd that is. Everything that you have, whether you believe it or not, is not yours, it's God's. God has given you whatever blessings, be they financial or material, whatever it is, He has given them to you in order to steward them in your short, and yes, it is a very short time on this earth. It is absurd Because it's his donkey that he's asking for. He could just take it easily. But he didn't need it. There's nothing that says, oh, he's got to ride in on a donkey. As a matter of fact, that would have been the least thing that they expected because they were looking for a warrior king, not a humble king. They would expect him to ride in on a horse ready to take Jerusalem with his army. He comes in on the back of a donkey. He comes to a person, sends his disciples to a person who, to borrow something that he had created. Think of the absurdity of that, how senseless that seems to us, but it, it plays out in God's plan. Second thing we see is that as Jesus takes this donkey, he rides into town on the generosity of ordinary people. You, you notice the man's name in the story doesn't tell it. He's just an ordinary guy with a couple of donkeys. And the disciples show up, hey, we need a donkey. Okay, take the donkey. An ordinary guy who 
other than that, plays no significant role in Scripture. Just an ordinary guy, Jesus rides into town on the generosity of ordinary people. And notice what happened. Because of the generosity, the whole town was stirred. People came, were shouting, Hosanna, welcoming the Savior into town, throwing palm leaves on the, on the road as He's coming through, all because of the generosity of an ordinary person. Imagine Kodak. If Kodak were to experience the people, a group of people who were irrationally generous, who were seeking not to build their own kingdoms, but to help those who are in need with the gospel and to also meet physical and emotional and spiritual needs. Imagine the stirring of Kodak if just a small group of people came together and Jesus rides in on our backs. The third thing we see, our generosity writes us into God's story. We all have plans for our life, things that we want to accomplish. Once you become a believer, hopefully your main goal is to be a part of what God's calling you to do. Our generosity writes us in to the story God is writing. This is a dude with a donkey. That's all we know about him. Donkey dude. We'll call him donkey dude. Does that work? Every time I read that passage, I'm going to think donkey dude now. We don't know his name. We don't know anything about him. don't know his occupation. We just know he's donkey dude. He's got donkeys. And Jesus needed donkeys. And here we are, 2,000 years later. He's a part of the story of Jesus going in his final time into Jerusalem before he gives his ultimate sacrifice. He's a part of the story. We see it play out throughout Scripture. Just think of the widow's might. She gives such a small amount. And here we are, not because she gave a significant amount, but 2,000 years later, we still read about her in Scripture. She's part of God's story. Think about Jesus as He's teaching His, his followers on, on the side of a mountain when people are starting to get hungry. And He sees some kid over there who's got a lunchbox with a couple of fish and a couple of pieces of bread. We don't know the kid's name. We just know that was his lunch. He says, here, Jesus, I've got it. Use it. He got written into the story because he was willing to be generous. We think of Joseph of Arimathea. The only reason Joseph is in the story is because of his generosity. Because after Jesus is crucified, Joseph makes sure he's got a place to be buried. Generosity writes us in to the story. You are written into the story when you become available through generosity. And not just the money, but when you're willing to give your time and your talents and your money, resources, to the mission, you become a part of the story. Our yes today is what writes us into the story tomorrow. The last thing we see, when we become generous people, you're not giving away. You're investing it in the kingdom. The best return on investment you can ever make is in the kingdom. Stock markets are going to go up. When you invest time, that time's gone. When you invest talents you've already used, 
The best investment we can ever make, the best return we'll ever receive is when we invest in the kingdom. And remember what we've talked about. The kingdom is not a future thing. The kingdom is right now, today. You are part of it if you are a follower of Jesus. That is the best return we will ever get on our investments. Many of us will invest into stock markets, 401ks, businesses, all good things. I'm not saying don't do that. But when that's all we invest in, when that's it, you lose every penny. You may think, I've made some pretty good money off my investments. You're not investing in the kingdom. You're not taking that with you. Oh, but my kids will get to enjoy it. Do you really want your kids to enjoy your hard work and your investments? I know we do. But the best investment we can ever make is investing in the kingdom. Why are we afraid of generosity? It comes down to an issue of trust. Do we really trust that what Scripture says is true? Do we really have faith that investing in the kingdom is going to do any good? When we have lack of faith and lack of trust, that's when we become selfish and hold back on those generous gifts. You look at the story. The owner of the donkey had no idea what was going on. The owner of the donkey just knows Jesus needs a donkey. So I've got a donkey. Take my donkey. That's all he knows. Sometimes we don't realize the gravity of the story we're riding into. We don't realize the depth of the story that God is using us to ride into. A, a borrowed donkey that the owner had no idea how it was going to be used. A borrowed donkey took our Savior to his final destination of ultimate generosity, of ultimate sacrifice. The absurdity of generosity is that God lets us be a part of it. The real absurdity of generosity is how generous he was for us that God gave his only son, his perfect son, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator that God gave him generously and sacrificially for you. How can we even think about holding on to the things that he has blessed us with in light of that? So what should our response be to his generosity to us? To give back. That should be our response. But it doesn't start with a dollar or a million dollars. It starts with your life. If you haven't given your life, none of this is relevant to you. If you give money to the church but never give your life to Jesus, you're not investing in the kingdom. You're wasting your money. If you're not going to give it to Jesus, just go enjoy it. Have some fun on this earth because you're throwing it away anyway. 
The response is to first give our life back. And what's the return on investment? Eternity. The return on investment isn't just a spot in the kingdom of heaven in the future. It's a spot in the kingdom now. Jesus promises if you put your life in Him, you have abundant life today. That doesn't mean wealth. That means abundance in joy, abundance in purpose, abundance in mission. Maybe wealth. God may bless you with wealth, but not always. It begins with giving our life. If you would bow your heads as we close today. Have you given your life? And I'm not talking about just made some flippant commitment. Have you truly given your life to Jesus? Because that is the most important part of the whole puzzle. Scripture tells us that we are all sinners in need of a Savior. We may not understand that. We may not understand what that's all about. But even those of us who've not if you've chosen not to follow Jesus up to this point, you know deep down that you're in need of something. Scripture tells us Jesus is that something. He gave His life for you. And He asks you to give it back, to give yours. Have you made a commitment to follow Jesus with your life? If you've not, or if you doubt it, or if you're not sure, don't let today pass until you've made that commitment to Jesus. That's the only thing that matters. This whole conversation about generosity, it is irrelevant if you don't give your life to Jesus. If you would say, Greg, I've never given my life to Jesus, or I'm confused about what it's all about, or I don't know if I have. I have some questions. Would you raise your hand just so I can pray for you? I'm not going to bring you up front. I'm not going to call you out. I just want to pray with you. Would you raise your hand? Greg. I have questions about my faith. You're a part of the kingdom. You've given your life. He also asks you to be generous. To give sacrificially. Give sacrificially for some, that means just the initial tithe. But for others, we can give more. And the return on investment, you are being written into a kingdom story that you won't even know the end of until you're with Jesus in heaven. How is God leading you to give generously? sacrificially of your time of your talents and of your resources we're going to pray over that in a second but if you look up for just a moment then we'll pray again last week we gave out these cards and I asked you to take them home and to pray over them if you didn't get one of these cards last week or your family didn't get one, would you raise your hand? Craig's going to bring them around.
On the cards, they say this. This is a commitment card that we're going to have a time of commitment over next week. And the cards begin on the back, I will commit to praying. Because if we're a church that's not a church of prayer, it doesn't matter how much money we've got or how much time you give or how many, how many of your talents that you share. I will commit to praying on these days each week. Now hopefully we're praying for our church every single day, but commit to what you'll actually do. If it's, I'm going to pray on Monday, circle Monday. Then you'll see the next thing on there. I commit to give this as an, an initial gift. That is my sacrificial initial gift to the Heart for the House initiative. It's a sacrificial gift above our tithes. It, it may be $10 for you. It may be $10,000 for you. If it's not sacrificial, it's not biblical. Generosity is to be sacrificial giving. So how is God leading you? And I told you last week, we're not the only game in town. God's calling you to be generous. But if he's calling you to be generous with your resources somewhere else, you better follow his leading and be generous there. If there's a ministry he's calling you to pour into, you better follow his leading. Because he's not going to bless it if you don't follow his leading. We believe this is an opportunity for you to be written into the story. Then the last thing you'll see on there is I commit to give this as a monthly gift above my tithes, an ongoing gift as we go through this initiative, whatever that may look like for you. And there's one thing under that. If you've not become a regular tither or regular giver, do that first. And you'll see that there. I commit to begin tithing. I'm not telling you if you've never, if you've never been a tither before, don't bite off more than God's calling you to bite off. Become a regular giver first. Then work towards sacrificial giving. Take this. Pray over this with your family. Ask the Lord to lead you however it may be. Maybe it's making an initial gift, but I can't do an ongoing gift. Or maybe it's making an ongoing gift, but I can't do an initial gift. Or maybe it's, I'm just going to become faithful with what God has given me and begin to become a regular tither. So would you take a moment where you're at? If you're with your family today, pray with them. If you're not, pray on your own. And begin just for the next few moments, pray over this card. How is God leading you to be generous? So bow your heads where you're at. Pray over that. Father in heaven, what a privilege it is to be a part of the story you are writing for Northview Church. 
for every single person in this room, whether it's their first time in the building or they've been here since the beginning, Lord, you are writing them into your story, whatever that may look like for them. So Lord, our prayer as a leadership team for this people, would you make us be faithful? Would you give us the trust and the faith that we need to be generous and to be sacrificial in sharing not only of our finances, but of our time and our talents with you? Help us to be good stewards of what you have provided for us. Lord, I pray for those in this room who, who are struggling or who have fear about becoming generous givers or becoming givers at all. Lord, that you would show them the blessing that comes out of generosity as we pay it forward into the kingdom that you will pay it back exponentially. Father, we love you. And it is so exciting to just dream about what the chapter you are writing for Northview Church is going to be. To just think about how we can pour into this community, how we can go about the mission of loving you, loving people, and making disciples. Father, just the dreams that you are giving us, Lord, thank you so much. And we pray, Lord, that you realize those dreams